Hey, big shout out to all of you at our Bolingbrook campus. We love you, 95th Street. We love you, Wheaton, Hobson. You know, when I was a young kid, we had a newfangled fancy color TV upstairs, but downstairs in the basement where the kids were often banished, all we had was this really old black and white TV, you know, with the knobs on the front, you remember? Kind of looked like this. And the reception was terrible because the only way to, to get it was one of these babies. Remember the rabbit ears antenna? Yeah. We would fight with these and twist them and try desperately in the basement, you know, to get good reception. Didn't work very well. One of the things that we tried was, uh, try this tinfoil. Uh, that's very classy, you know, really a, a good look for home decor. And, and still... Uh, to no avail, you know, it just wouldn't work sometimes. And so I would actually recruit, my, if I was six, my brother was three, and so I'd recruit David. I'll sit on the couch and watch the TV, and you make adjustments, and I'll tell you when it's good, you know. And then I'd be like, there, stop, stop right there. It's perfect. And then he'd let go, and I'd realize he had become an important part of the antenna. And so I'd said, you know, Dave, hands back on. And he's like, okay, can I let go now? No, you can't. You know, just stand there. I'm going to enjoy the show. That's what little brothers are for, right? That's why God made them. Yeah. Well, again, as, as kids, the, the reception when we were kids was just horrible. Compare that to TVs today where we've got, you know, widescreen, high definition, surround sound, uh, you know, go to, the, go to the movie theater and they got the 3D glasses. I mean, there's just no comparison. And that analogy works well when it describes how heaven will be different regarding our experience of God. We experience God today, don't we? We walk with Him and we talk with Him. And I would argue that God is the best part of life. And yet, life with God here is like rabbit ears, black and white, compared to what we will get in heaven. In heaven, our experience of God is going to be astounding. It will be 3D, quite literally, 3D. I have a simple outline that we're going to be studying together where it is dwell, dazzle, and delight. In heaven, God will dwell with us, he will dazzle us, and he will delight us. And I'm so excited to, to explore what does that mean with, with, for us because we need to anticipate how much we will enjoy God, the King of Heaven. In fact, that's today's title. It's called The King of Heaven. The, the thing that makes heaven great is the King. You know, I've seen movies. I remember a while back there was one with Robin Williams about heaven. Uh, prom, I forget what it's called. Anyways, it was a terrible movie. Don't worry about it. But uh, the thing that made it awful for me is here was this movie about heaven and there's no God. How can you say heaven's wonderful if God isn't the center of it? It was Martin Luther who said, I'd rather be in hell with Christ than to be in heaven without him. And I would agree with him on that point. It is the friendship and presence of God that will make heaven extraordinary. In fact, heaven at its essence is what it is because of the presence of God. And I would add that hell at its essence is what it is because of the absence of God. That's what makes hell, hell. And so we need to understand the glory of connecting with God 
in heaven. This series, if you're uh, new, you should know that it's all a study of the last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22. The Apostle John was given this vision of heaven, and God told him, write it down, because the people in Chicagoland 2,000 years from now are going to want to know, and we want to know. So let's return to God's Word. We didn't get very far last week. We only studied Revelation 21, verse 1. So let's move on to verse 2. Ready? I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I saw a city coming down out of heaven? What's going on here? Friends, what's being described is the grand opening, the the first morning on the new earth. God has planned a ceremony of epic proportions. Yes, a city is going to descend. Maybe you've seen a house moved before. If you've ever seen a house being moved, it's quite a sight, you know, to see something that big being relocated. Well, this is kind of like that, only it's a city. Friends, we will be on the new earth, and God will say, do you see the light coming? Here it comes, here it comes. And descending out of the sky will be a city like we've never seen before. In dramatic fashion, that city will descend down and touch down on planet Earth. The city of God, the new Jerusalem, touching down on the planet of people, God and people. I should add that many scholars believe that the present heaven, where people go when they die today, is the New Jerusalem. It's that city under construction uh, that will descend down and be on the new earth at this later date. Isn't that interesting? And this moment is presented like a wedding. You've been at a wedding, you know, where the groom stands and he looks down the aisle and as the bride starts to come, there's a great sense of anticipation. Well, the bride is this city descending down. It's if you will, the wedding of the city of God and the earth, the, peop- the earth of people. And it's pointing to this marriage between God and people. He will be with us. That's the essence of what heaven is. God now dwelling on earth with his people. Let's go to the next slide. You'll see here we're focusing in on this dwell of the three Ds. Uh, God will dwell with us. And it comes in the next verse, verse 3. It's stated boldly, loudly. You ready? And I heard a loud voice saying, from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. You'll notice I've highlighted this actually three times because this sentiment is repeated three times. It continues. And he, God, will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. The passion of God to dwell with his people is seen so clearly in these verses. Again, God says, you want to know why I'm so excited about heaven? We'll be together, together, forever, doing life together. This passion to share life with us is not something new, at least new from the perspective of heaven. It's always been God's desire. Let me give you a little brief history of the Bible, or at least key moments of the Bible, that convey God's desire to dwell. I should tell you this. We're going to see that dwell, the word dwell, even out of this passage, is the word tabernacle. 
which means tent. You know, God says, if we're all on a journey, we're tenting together, I want a tent, tabernacle, dwell with you. Next slide. So here we go. Let's start in the Garden of Eden, shall we? In the Garden of Eden, it was also called the Garden of God. God made his dwelling in that garden with Adam and Eve. And we find in Genesis 3 that Adam and Eve would walk with God in the garden in the cool of the day. That's how sweet the fellowship, the friendship, the dwelling was. Now, unfortunately, when Adam and Eve rebelled and sinned against God, the consequence is they were banished from that garden and that, was, that paradise was lost. But God's vision for dwelling with his people was not lost. He hung on to that vision and fought for it. In fact, we find, uh, uh, next slide, the tabernacle moment when, here, here's what that is. God was establishing a nation. He took this ragtag bunch of escaped slaves from Egypt who are now wandering the desert. God said, I'm going to make you into a nation. And as I formally make you the nation Israel, I want to know, I want you to know that I want to live with you. And so God says, right now for 40 years, you're a nomadic people. You're living out of tents. Here's what he said in Exodus 25, 8. He said, have them make me a tabernacle, a tent, and I will dwell among them. Put my tent in their camp. In fact, in Numbers 2, God made it clear, I want my tent in the middle of their camp, right in the middle. As they're doing this camp life, I want to have my tent right in the middle. I want to be a part of them. In fact, in that tent, the inner room of the tent was called the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, where God manifested his presence visibly in a ball of fire and smoke above the ark. Just God's way of saying, people, I'm here. I'm with you. We're doing this together. Well, then after the wandering, they ended up in a permanent place in Jerusalem. They needed a temple. Jerusalem became the the city of God, the capital city. And David said, if this city is God's city, then God should have a house in his city so that he can dwell with us. David was the one who designed the temple. David is the one who funded the temple, though his son Solomon actually built it. And on the day it was the grand opening of the temple, it was said in 1 Kings 8.13, it was announced, this temple is the house of God a place for him to dwell, a place for him to tabernacle with us? Isn't that beautiful? Next slide. Jesus. Jesus is a bold proclamation of God's desire to tabernacle, to dwell, to share life with us. Jesus, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. Sure enough, he left heaven. He came to planet Earth. He became one of us to rub shoulders with us. And it says in John 1.14 that the Word, that's Christ, became flesh, became a human, and made his dwelling among us. He tabernacled among us. Isn't that incredible? Jesus says, I want to be with people. So much I'll move to the planet. What about the Holy Spirit? God's taking it a whole other level. In 1 Corinthians 6.19, we are reminded that as Christians, our bodies are the temple or the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit of God. 
God says, hey, I got an idea that'll bring us even closer. How about I move into you, dwell in you, speak from within you, empower from within you, guide from within you. The Holy Spirit is another expression of God's passion to dwell, to tabernacle with us. And lastly, heaven, the grand finale, when the new Jerusalem settles, God saying, now, all of this is partial, this dwelling complete. Now in heaven we will experience the fullness of God's dream to share life with his people. Imagine this, in heaven we will see him. I mean, we will experience God visibly, tangibly. We will say, hey, Lord, let's take a walk. I want to talk. And we will walk and talk and laugh with the Lord. He will be our best friend in heaven every day, all day. We will eat with him, Jesus says. We will laugh with him. We will discuss those questions that have been plaguing us our whole life. Lord, why in the world did you do this? Or what's up with that? We'll strategize with him. I'm I'm speculating here, but I think I'm right. We'll say, Lord, we need to advance your cause, your glory in this new world. And what role can I play in service to you? What about this, Lord? What if we did this? And he'll be like, yeah, but what, what about this? Oh, the joy of sharing life with the Lord. We will interact with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you are like, wait a minute, how can we have access to all the persons of the Trinity? If I've got the Father, then you're out of luck, right? Because you won't have access to him because he's with me. And Well, here's, here's the great thing about the omnipresence of God, is God will be able to simultaneously offer his undivided attention to the millions of the residents of heaven at the same time. All day, every day, you will never be denied access to interaction with God. Now, it gets a little tricky with Jesus because Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus will have a resurrection body. And so some have thought if he's got a body, that means he's limited to being in one place at one time. I'm not ready to put limits on that. It's true. Jesus is the God-man. As a man, he's got a body, but as God, he's got omnipresence, the character traits of God. So I believe even Jesus in his physical body will miraculously somehow be capable of being with each of us every day, all day in heaven. And it's this enjoyment of God's company in heaven that will be our greatest joy. We'll wake up every morning and say, Lord, are you ready? I, I feel this way in this life. I don't know if you can relate. But I would tell you what makes a really good day in this life is when I do it with God. At the end of the day, when I lay my head down on the pillow, I will declare it to be an awesome day if I lived with an uncanny awareness of God all day. If I have a sense that we did it together. On those days when I just kind of sense his presence, I, I hear him nudging me and leading me, challenging me, encouraging me, loving me all day. At the end of the day, when I, to a certain degree, did the day with God, dwelt with him, oh, that's a good day. And if it's good in this life, just imagine how sweet it will be to share a day and the next day and the next day in friendship and fellowship with the Lord. He says, I'm going to just thrill you 
by dwelling with you. Well, let's, let's move on to dazzle, shall we? Dwell, now dazzle. All right, what does it mean to dazzle? To dazzle is for, the, for someone to illuminate beauty and light in such an extraordinary measure that the spectator is overwhelmed and awestruck by the sight. And that's what God's going to do. He's going to dazzle us with his own beauty and glory. Check out this verse, Revelation 22, verse 3 and 4. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. Remember, the New Jerusalem has descended onto planet Earth, and God's throne is in the New Jerusalem. So God's now with his people. His servants will serve him. Check this out. They will see his face. Friends, this is extraordinary. Because if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that Moses was denied the opportunity to see God's face. Moses longed to see God. And so he begged God, God, show me your glory. Let me see your beauty. And God said, I will, Moses, but I can't let you see my face. God explained that if anybody sees God's face, they will die. (laughs) The glory, the beauty, the majesty of God, if fully displayed, a theophany is appearance of God. A full theophany of his face would kill a human being. We'd We'd be overwhelmed to the point of death. And yet, what was denied us on earth, this earth, will be our privilege in the next. We will see a sin. How come it won't kill us then? Well, the only explanation is that our resurrection bodies are new and improved models. We have increased capacity to sustain that which we can't here and now. And so we will get a full theophany. God will say, Here's all of me. I'll show you my face. And the face of God is, you know, yes, physically, visibly, his beauty will astound us, but his face will convey his character. As we look in his eyes, we'll see his love, love of another kind, love for us, like we've never seen love in eyes before. And and purity and God's passion and God's joy, all of his character will shine. And we will delight, we will find joy in being dazzled by God. The ancient theologians called this the beatific vision, this this theophany of God, this anticipation of seeing God. Beatific vision are a Latin phrase that means the happy-making sight, a sight that makes people happy. And that's what God will do. He will satisfy. He will give us joy in seeing him. You know, we get joy in seeing beauty today. Uh, If you're on a beach anywhere in the world, in the evening on a west-facing beach, you will see people gathering to watch the sunset. And they will stand there just staring at this thing of beauty, finding joy in the beholding. And uh, that's what it's going to be like with God. We're going to be staring at him. Sound awkward? You know, I'll be like, Lord, do you mind if I stare at you a little more? And he'll say, no, 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 I'm cool with that. In fact, that's what this is all about. I, I am beautiful, desiring you to feast on my beauty. And so we will study the pure character of God and find endless joy and just say, wow, wow, wow. And when I say study, we'll learn more and more 
and more. Some people make the mistake of assuming that when they get to heaven, in an instant, they know all. Boom. And I have nothing left to learn. No. Heaven will be a journey of discovery. And the most important topic of study will be theology. That is the nature of God. Every day we will learn more about the beauty character of God and find new joy in who God is. You say, well, how long will that last? You know, I mean, a couple weeks and you've got to be done in the study of God. Know all you can know, right? No. God is infinite. And it's difficult for us to understand an infinite being. But part of God's infinite beauty and character is that you're never done learning about God. I love this quote from Randy Elkhorn. He says, We will spend countless millennia exploring the depths of God's being and be no closer to seeing it all than we were when we first started. Isn't that hard to imagine? After millennia, thousands of years we've been studying and you're telling me I'm no closer? That's the essence of infinitude is that, yeah, there's still an infinite amount to discover about God. And friends, it's going to be a joy. I I love this. In Job chapter 19, I find this ironic. You know, we're studying the last words written John was really old, and when he wrote the last two chapters of Revelation, these were the last words written in our Bible. Job are the first words written in our Bible. Scholars speculate that the first pen to paper was done by Job, even before Moses wrote the Pentateuch. And let me me read what Job says. Job 19, verse 25. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. And that in the end, you know, the end of time in the new earth, he will stand on the earth. This is the new Jerusalem descending down onto the planet, God being with people. He says, and after my skin has been destroyed, after I'm dead and decayed, yet in my flesh, there's physical resurrection, I will see God. I myself We'll see him with my own eyes. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Job, way back, understood the end and was filled with so much excitement about being with the Lord and seeing his glory. I had a little epiphany I wanted to share with you. You know, our mission statement is to love him more, so more love him. The first part of that mission, at least, will still be applicable in heaven, to love him more. Because we're seeing and being dazzled by more and more of God's face and beauty every day, these new discoveries of God's character will ignite new amazement and new love. We will love him more and more and more. Our relationship with the Lord in heaven will be deepening with every passing day. The affection that we have for the Lord on that first day of heaven will be small compared to the intensity of affection that will develop as heaven moves on. Friends, the joy of being dazzled by the very nature of our God will be our privilege as we see his face. All right, let's move on to delight. He will dwell with us. He will dazzle us. He will delight us. Now, when I say he will delight us, you're like, Jeff, you're being redundant. Aren't we delighted in him dwelling with us? Aren't we delighted 
in him dazzling us? Yes, you're right. There is great joy in those. But what I'm referring to here is God's commitment in heaven to give us good things that delight us. Not only will we enjoy God, but we will enjoy God's gifts. Check out this verse, Revelation 21, verse 6. To the thirsty, God says, I will give water without cost, free, from the spring of the water of life. In heaven, there will be a spring, a fountain, a source of water. It's called the water of life. And God says to all who are yearning, who are thirsty, who are dissatisfied, I will give them this to drink. And you have never tasted water like this. Later on in chapter 22, there's another verse referring to the same water. Here the apostle John's getting a tour by an angel, tour of heaven. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal. Imagine what it looks like. Imagine what it tastes like. Flowing from the throne of God. This is so fascinating. We're going to learn more about heaven uh, in subsequent weeks, or particularly the city of the New Jerusalem. And we're going to discover that the throne of God is at the pinnacle of this mountain that the city is built on. The palace of God is up at the peak. And the throne of God is there. And this river will have its source up there at the throne of God. It will flow throughout the city and then throughout the new earth. We'll all have access to this literal river and drink of water like no water we've ever tasted before. And what's God shouting through this physical, tangible experience? He's shouting that I am the source of all good gifts. Not just the water. This speaks beyond the water. Everything that you enjoy comes from me. You know, it says in James 1, every good and perfect gift is from the Father. That's true now. It will be true in heaven. This water uh, sermon, if you will, God's preaching by this flowing river, flowing from his throne to everybody. This water is spoken of in the Psalms. I love this. Psalm 36, verses 8 and 9. They feast on the abundance of your house. When you're at God's house, his generosity will enable you to just feast on the abundance of his good gifts. It says, you will give them drink from your river of delights, for with you is the fountain, the spring of life. Here's the river, the water. But here the river is called river of delights. We will just delight in so much. And in heaven, we will clearly understand God's the giver of it all. And so every time you enjoy something good in heaven, whether that be food, drink, family, friends, fun activity, whenever you enjoy a secondary blessing, I call it secondary because God's our primary blessing, when we enjoy these secondary blessings, we will always worship him saying, this came from God. (laughs) This flowed from the throne. We miss that in this life sometimes. People enjoy the gift and forget the giver in this life. It's really sad. It's called idolatry. That's when you love the gift and forget the giver. It's called materialism. When you're addicted to stuff without worshiping and loving the giver of the stuff. That won't have materialism, idolatry won't be in heaven. We will be without sin. 
And so we will master the art of enjoying everything and enjoying God in everything in heaven. You know, I'm trying to master the art now. I try to eat with God, recognizing him as the giver of that food, saying, oh, Lord, thank you. And when I see my kids laughing and just realize what a blessing they are, oh, Lord, thank you. I'm trying to enjoy God in my enjoyment of everything. I'm succeeding, sometimes failing more often. In heaven, we will all master that art. We will never enjoy anything without connecting it to God and enjoying him in the enjoyment of those secondary blessings. The water imagery is there, but there's a light imagery that's connected here as well. Did you? I'm still in the psalm passage here. Remember, we'll get to Revelation again in a second. But at the end of this psalm passage, it says, In your light, we see light. Light is imagery for beauty and joy as opposed to darkness, which is death and despair, right? And so we are able to see and enjoy beauty in life because your light is illuminating it. The light of God enables us to see all that's beautiful and good. What's written here in the Psalms is also spoken of at the end of Revelation. Let's go now to Revelation 22.5. Check this out. They will not need the light of a lamp, no lamps in heaven, unnecessary. They will not need the sun. The sun is unnecessary in heaven. Why? For the Lord God will give them light. Literally, that means the Lord God will be their light. He will shine on them. The beauty of his very being will shine. Somehow, light from God will emanate throughout heaven. And everything we see will be illuminated by God himself. Here's what that tells us. Everything we enjoy, every beauty we gaze at in heaven, God will be a part of it. When we look at the beauty of a flower, we'll be looking at that flower because of the light of God shining on it. When we look at the beauty of people, we'll be looking at that beauty with the light of God shining on That will be a tangible reminder to us that the beauty of God is in everything. Do you know that's the case now, True, Anything that's beautiful is that way because God is beautiful? Just as art reflects the heart of an artist, so the creation we enjoy reflects God's nature. Puppies are delightful because God is delightful. Rainbows are beautiful because the artist, God, is beautiful. Work is rewarding because God is rewarding. Children are hilarious because God is hilarious. Sports are fun because the maker, God, is fun. And we get that in part now. In heaven, everything we see that's beautiful, we'll say, oh, that's all God. God's in that. And so all the good things we enjoy in heaven, we'll recognize two things. One, the water. God's the source of this good thing. And then the light. God's very nature is reflected in this good thing. And so our enjoyment of secondary blessings in heaven will be all about God. We'll say, oh Lord, this is awesome. Oh Lord, you are awesome. How sweet will that be? Well, friends, I just want to do a quick review. Here are the 3D encounter with God in heaven. 
we will dwell with them and share life with them every day as our best friend like never before. We will be dazzled and filled with joy at our knowledge, our sight of God's beauty. And he will delight us with a thousand things and we'll celebrate him in the enjoyment of those things. This is our experience of heaven. But to a lesser degree, this is our experience of God now. It's not 3D in the fullness of what heaven will be. But think about it. To a lesser degree, we should be pursuing these three things today. I wonder if you are. Are you seeking to dwell with him today? We can't visibly, tangibly dwell with him, but we can experience, as I already mentioned, my best days are those days when I sense his presence, hear his voice, enjoy his company. Lean into that now. What about dazzle? You can't see his face, but like Moses, he will show you his glory. He'll reveal his character through our study of the word, through our study of the world. We can see and learn about God. And it is so much fun to discover something new and wonderful about God's nature. His delights. Again, we can start to enjoy that cup of coffee with the Lord, giving him, the maker and giver, praise for its flavor and its delight. So do these things now. Get really good at them here, because when you get there, you will enjoy him all the more. It's kind of, let me go back to the rabbit ears, if you'll allow me. Imagine I'm the six-year-old Jeff watching uh, Three Stooges on my black and white TV, and you come from the future, from today, back to visit me. And you look at me and you go, what is this? It's my TV. And you say, Jeff, this is ridiculous. In the future, we're going to have high definition, surround sound, 3D. This is such a joke compared to what will be. You know what I would have said to you? That's nice. Get out of my way. I'm trying to watch my TV. I'm still, it's all I got, and I'm going to enjoy what I've got. You know, the same is true as we apply this message. Is our relationship with God going to be so much better than? Yes. So should we neglect what we've got today? No. We should enjoy the bunny ear, rabbit ears version of our connection to God today and enjoy it greatly. It's the best part of life. And those who learn to master enjoying God today, who obsess with God today, are those who will enjoy him all the more in heaven when it explodes into technicolor. Just like those who so delighted in the rabbit ear version of a show are probably those who enjoy movies today all the more because they've fostered the love. And friends, let's get addicted to God. Let's just say, Lord, you're the best thing in all of life. And as we become increasingly all about him here, when we get there, we will take that obsession to a whole nother level. It's going to be incredible. He will be incredible. Will you pray with me? God, it's hard for us to imagine what it'll be like to walk and talk and laugh and embrace you to see you, to be amazed and fulfilled by your beauty and to receive these gifts, all those good things in heaven, straight from your hand, flowing from your throne. Oh God, we can't wait to enjoy you. Help us to learn the art now. Though it's rabbit ears in comparison, it's glorious nonetheless. Teach us to seek 
to enjoy you every day, all day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.